Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divisio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches and people who are doing good, and also the co-founder of The Leveragist at www.theleveragist.com. We've got another fantastic episode lined up for you guys. And boy, I've been out drumming up some great guests for the next eight weeks after this. So I can't wait for you guys to meet everyone. We have a Jack Humphrey, the co-founder of TheLeveragists.com and the co-founder of Divisio.com joining us as well. Hello, Jack. Howdy. How are you doing today in Florida? Oh, it's very, very beautiful here. We have two little itty-bitty fluffy clouds in the sky, and that's about it. It has been hot here for the last week. It's been over 90 every day except for today. Today it's about 78 and gorgeous. Good Lord, 90 degrees. That's I don't even remember what that's like at this point of the year. <laughs> it's been it's been so hot, I'll tell you what. You don't want to remember what it's like. Hot and humid. I've been in tank tops. I don't know. After this weekend, we went camping. Yeah. Yeah. After this weekend, we went camping, and we. Uh, yeah, I go out. I'm I'm famous for going out too early. I just can't take it anymore, and I don't care what the weather is, and I just get out and. Uh, you know, Sammy's spring break was this week, so we had to do something And regardless. And it'll get nicer. The weather says the sun will peak through tomorrow a little bit. You know, we say all these things, and then we go, and we freeze to death. And <laughs> it's just cold and rainy and miserable, and the sun didn't come out nearly as much as they said it would. But then it just, you know, you just start working all of a sudden, one one really good day and makes it the whole thing worth it. So we went from this is the worst camp ever to this was one of the best ever. <laughs> but you have to That's work on that too stuff. Funny. Well, you just yeah, chose the wrong place fun. to go camping. You should have come here and gone to Sanibel. It was beautiful. That would have taken our entire budget of time just to get there. <laughs> the weekend thing. Well, yeah. next time, so, plan better, Jack. Plan better. I want you guys to come visit me. I would have loved to go camping with you this weekend. So would Popeye. <laughs> that would be cool. It would. So tell everybody about our guest this week. Well, we have a a, a continuation. We have Inez Brazy here with us again. We had such a great time last week. This is a very, very rare thing. We don't typically have back-to-back the same guests, but we just needed to have Inez back because I think if you listen to last week's show, you know that we could have kept going. We were having a great time. We got a great response from everybody who listened. 
And uh, so we're like, you know what, if you're not doing anything next week, do you want to come back? So <laughs> I just said yes. I'll give you a real brief overview because we did a, a big introduction last week, but uh, I want to get right into it today. I have something special I want to do with Inez if you're up for it, but I'll tell you about that right after this. So for those of you who didn't listen last week, Inez is a coach, speaker, author, scientist, and teacher dedicated to empowering high-performing professional executive and self-employed women over 50 to reconnect with themselves, renew their joy, and courageously live their lives. She created Emerge, Inspire, Live as a means to help them use what they've gone through in life to help to live their dream lifestyle now. Inez, thanks and welcome back. Thank you, Zach. I'm thrilled to be here. Hello, Inez. <laughs> I'm so glad you could. And, Jack, I almost yep. messed everything up because I was told that Inez couldn't make it today. So I went out all over Facebook this morning trying to drum up a guest at the last minute and got a fabulous response. Oh, my gosh. And then Inez pops in and goes, but I thought I was on the show today. Yes, she is. So I'm glad and yes, she is. <laughs> well, it's just so, so unusual, you know. But, but it you, is you guys so will find out today why... Yeah, you'll find out today why uh, we, why I'm so excited, Jean is so excited to have Inez back because it's just uh, fun talking to you. So uh, what did you think last week? The, the stuff that we got into, was that expected? Is that how you normally, uh, you know, work on podcasts and do interviews? Or, or, um, or And is there anything that you feel was left off the table we'd like to bring up today? Wow, Jack, that's a great question. And let me just say that every podcast, every interview I do is different. And I like that because the spontaneity really empowers me to dig deeply and to share those tidbits that come to me so that the audience really get what we're talking about. And last week was awesome, even though sometimes we have and I know I do podcasts too, and even though there are questions that we ask, often the answer that I receive leads me to a different way. And I like mm-hmm. it because we could just go way out in the stratosphere and hang out a minute and come back and go and come. I love it. Well, and you're you're my favorite type of guest. Uh, the, every once in a while the, the, there's a rare uh, get, maybe somebody's new, they haven't done it in a while, and they need a lot of structure. And that's my most confining place to interview from. <laughs> and and I destroy everybody's structure almost immediately because of what you just said, because their answers lead me to uh, things they might not have expected, neither one of us would have expected that we would end up talking about. Um, but it's all just about comfort. you know. If you're really truly an expert, you can go wherever you need to go, and you can talk about anything you need to within your topic uh, range. <laughs> So that's the way I feel about it anyway. So sometimes you got to have a little structure, but I could tell you were a traveler from the very beginning, and that's exactly what we started talking about last week was you being a traveler and enjoying that so much and uh, and, having, and having that as a perspective that helps you help other people um, when they are, you know, coming to a point in their life where it's a turning point. It's a... Uh, it's, um, time to do something new, something different in their lives, uh, some t- some point in their life that they marked maybe before and after 
that point of realization that, hey, the kids are out. Um, I'm not responsible for all the things I've been responsible for all my life. Uh, I got to do something new. I've got to figure something out. What did I, what did I ever think during all of those years I would ever want to do when I was done with this? Hmm. Let me go through that stuff. I'm still stuck. I, this is freaking me out. I need a little help, and then they call you, right? Yes, and I'm so thrilled when they do because at least they have gone through a process. And when we go through a process to discover where we are and feeling that we still are not clear, that's the best time to bring on a coach, to bring on someone who is trained, who has the tools to work with you, to allow you and assist you to tap it into who you really be. And when I say that, I don't tell people what to do, Jack. I ask questions that lead them to their own self-discovery. Because I could easily tell somebody, oh, perhaps you should do this, that, and the other, but who am I to tell you what to do? My whole position is to facilitate your movement from being where you are stuck to getting to that place where you go, aha, this is who I be, this is what I desire to do, and I know I can do it, and you go forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I probably at one time thought that coaching was more telling people what they need to do. Um, But once you've done that maybe a couple of times, you realize that they're still the people who have to do the doing. And they still have a context and a framework for what they think they are capable of, what they are worthy of, what they want to do, what makes them get out of bed in the morning, Uh, you know, if you don't match, if you're not mostly a listener, <laughs> in my opinion, as a coach, then you're doing something wrong because you can't be hearing what, where the guidance needs to come from and how the guidance needs to be applied. And, and what you're listening for, in my experience, it are the things that they really are good at and what they really want to do and what really drives them, including also the comparison to the resistance, the fear, the the doubt, and everything else. And if you're not mapping that by listening and, and, and hearing things that they're not even aware that they're saying, which is really wild because you, you, you get on the phone with somebody or you get on Skype or whatever and you, you talk to them and, you know, they're experts at things. They're good at things. They come with a um, real – knowledge and uh, confidence in what they believe and what they think and and do and uh, who they are and what they want to do and what they want to be. And you could be led into a sense that, well, you've got it all together. But they, they, you know, another person can't always know what they're saying, how they're saying it. They don't pick up on a lot of clues. And then – that's what a coach does, right? You're you're there to listen and to go, "Hey, did you do you realize what you just said?" And a lot of times they don't. And that's why and that people need true. coaches. That is so true, Jack, and I can tell you, it just is so awesome because I listen for what is not said also. Because mm-hmm. there is always that thing that's underneath. And I discovered a long time ago when I first got into coaching that the first two or three things that they present really are not what's bothering them. So the longer we get into the conversation, the more deeply they can go, and then it starts to unveil what is really causing them this feeling of discomfort, this feeling of 
I can be more, this feeling of my desire to live a different lifestyle, this feeling of being stuck. And listening is so true, listening and allowing them to have a safe space where they know that they can say whatever it is and it's just between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a much more third party than a family member, even a best friend, because all of that comes with some baggage, right? Maybe not good or bad baggage, but it does come with a history. And then you know that the person you're talking to has a framework of understanding you through your relationship with them, that history sometimes feels like it can get in the way. Even if it's not a bad history, it's a great history. It's just my best friend isn't the person I need to talk to right now, and you have that sense that that's the truth. And then if I could just go to somebody that I have built an immediate rapport with, I have trust with, but they don't know anything about me, my history, except for what I'm about to tell them, and we're starting with a nice, clean slate, for business purposes and for personal purposes, those are really, really big deals. Not sure that our culture <laughs> has really uh, come come to full circle of understanding that, like that that's available to them, you know, um, or that's an acceptable thing to do to go ask for a coach, to go get a coach, um, or to even know why. And a lot of people don't know why, and you can tell because the first thing they'll talk about in in many cases is, I can't afford that. I can't afford that for the money or I can't afford that for the time. I'm too busy. I'm moving forward. But I have but at the same time they'll tell you, but I'm having problems. But I'm stuck. But I'm but I have to keep moving forward. So either case I don't have time to sit down and talk to somebody or I don't have the money or whatever. And I think that's probably because people don't understand how to value what we're talking about here today. You know? You know, that that's a very that's, you bring up a really great point because Many people like those words, I cannot afford it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't even know what the cost is going to be. We <laughs> haven't even gotten there yet. So let's just talk. It's never really about the money because, you know, the energy of money, you can allocate it in so many different ways. And once we see the value and they get, they leave with an aha, wow, just talking to her at this moment got me to this place what would it be like to really work with her? And that is the way I work with my clients because it is important that they get some clarity and some focus from whatever they're going through, get at least one or two tips that they can take with them and see that it does work. Once that happens, then, of course, they can go, aha, she knows what she's talking about. I want to work with her. Now, when you talk about money, I know for sure that it's never about the money. It's about what is the value there for them. Is the payoff for where they're staying, where they're standing right now, more valuable to them than the payoff they will receive when they leave that spot and move into that beingness, that person that they know themselves to be? See, that's the key right there. If the payoff is greater, they're gone. Well, yeah, and plus, and the the third part of that I think that's really important is their trust in your ability to be the person to help guide them there. Are you the one? Because if I spend time and resources on you, with you, with your help, is your help going to be the help that gets me to that outcome? And then that's just a process of talking to people, isn't it? Just making a connection. People's guts really are important, and whether people admit or not, 
that their gut makes a lot of decisions for them about how, how to trust someone, whether to trust someone, um, you know, decisions that need to be made that are really big decisions. <laughs> I can't count the number of times where I look back and go, man, that was all gut. I just totally went with it. I went for it. How many people told you later after, after they uh, hired you uh, to work through uh, whatever or, you know, that they just went with their gut. Like, I just knew you were the right person to work with. You just, you struck a chord. You, how many times has that happened to you? And isn't it amazing how many people would would say, if you asked them point blank, how many decisions you just go with your gut? Which a lot of people think is like jumping out of a plane with a parachute or not or whatever. They don't They don't treat that as a real serious decision-making thing, do they? Usually not, but you so that is true. Many of them I have often I'm told that that's what happened. That is when you know how to connect with your gut. We have been taught we have five senses. So anything that comes up in, as intuition or the gut feeling, we just override because, you know, that's not one of the ones of the five. So what we get to do is to learn to really pay attention to it in any situation. And I can guarantee you much of what happens to you because you overrode that little voice that said, you know, maybe you shouldn't go down that street or this might not be the right time to do this. You end up in a space that you didn't intend to be. If you had listened to that, then it wouldn't be there. Let me give you an example. I'll never forget, I was at my sister's house in North Carolina when Hurricane Irene came through. And... I had my car parked, you know, pull it up in the yard and everything, and the wind started picking up, so she came over to me and she said, I think you ought to move your car up a little bit. I said, oh, no, I'm good. My nephew says, I will move the car for you, Auntie. And I said, oh, it's, it's okay. And in my mind, I'm getting this message, you need to pull the car up. But I didn't. So we're sitting there. She has floor-to-ceiling windows, and we're watching the wind blow this. And I call them pecans. A lot of people call it pecans. But I grew up in North Carolina, so pecan tree, an 80-year-old pecan tree, just falls back slowly and damages my passenger side of my car. Mm. Now, I moved that car up just three feet. It would have saved me over $1,000. <laughs> so I know what it cost not to listen to the gut. You know, and I and I knew it because I had thought about moving it. My sister said move it. My nephew said move it. No, I'm I'm gonna just sit. And it was hadn't even started raining yet. So what was it that <laughs> made me override that? I have no idea, but I have learned. When I hear it now, I move on it. I no longer allow myself to say, "Oh no, it's gonna be okay." It's mischief. It's almost like. Um getting a a, a a mogwai wet after midnight what was that what was that movie you don't feed them or don't get them wet after midnight or they turn into these really bad gremlins and i think sometimes our minds are the gremlins i think we feed them after midnight and we definitely get them wet after midnight and they turn into these little mischievous things that cuz i've made decisions and i've watched myself make decisions like like you're describing just a simple where you parked your car and whether that's a good idea or not. And I've almost, it's almost like I can remember a little tiny conversation, but not a conversation because it's all vibration and emotion and things like that. It, 
you know, language is such a limiting way to communicate, and the body just doesn't do it, doesn't have any use for it. It communicates in a whole different way, and it's much more efficient. But we translate that into, I just had a conversation with myself, and the mischievous part of it, the mind, uh, being an untethered thing at the time and not ha- being under my control as I should always have it be, which is why we meditate and everything else, is to make sure that we don't let that sucker just go and go. I think I saw it. I saw it laughing. Like, haha, you're going to park your car there, and this tree or something might happen, but we're going to go ahead and take the key out of the ignition. Yep. And you do feel like this is not the best decision, and you're not listening, but we're going to go ahead and get out of the car now. I remember conversations like that with decisions I've made, using your thing as an example, but and I bet a lot of other people do. Not really conversations, but that little mischievous mind in the back going and getting its way. And, and that is kind of an example of how powerful you can allow the mind, which is just a tool, it, it's not supposed to be in charge, nor is your ego or anything else. It's not supposed to be in charge. But if we allow it, we can even watch ourselves doing things that we regret later, knowing that we probably should have, listen to someone's advice or move the car up or whatever and just watch yourselves take the key out of the ignition, get out of the car, walk away, and still be thinking, I shouldn't probably maybe, but all subconscious, not totally conscious, because then you would move the car. But then you can kind of go back and trace your feelings and find, I did have a little argument there, and the mind won. And the mind, the mischievous gremlin little mind that got wet after midnight won. <laughs> I let it win. There's no reason for that. It. I love what you say about gremlins, yes. And I'm seeing all these little gremlins running around. It's like, and those are the thoughts that come to us, and we start to focus on it. And we're like, wow, why am I thinking about that? That's not what I want to think about right now. I want to focus on something different. So we start focusing on our work, what we had planned to do today. We're going to make so many phone calls, going to get out so many messages. Next thing you know, the gremlins come again and say, wait a minute, don't you want some water? Go get up and go get you some water. Uh, Don't you feel a little hungry? Maybe you ought to go. And then, no, don't call that person. Call a friend. The gremlin, I love that. I'm going to use that jacket if it's okay with you. The gremlins of the mind. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that's – I was going to also talk to you today about using you. Uh, and see, and letting everybody see what you can do in a real-life situation. We'll use me. This is how I get all my free consulting, by the way, you guys. I do a podcast. I get all these experts, and they're like, yeah, I'll show off what I can do. So I'm going to use me <laughs> and okay. a situation that I'm in, and you can pretend like you're, you, you know, this is the advice, not, not pretend. You, this, is the, this is the guidance that you would give anybody um, so everybody can see you in action as well. And mine is simple, and I picked it because it's something every, everybody goes through, everybody I've ever met in business. So we'll get it back to business. We'll get it back to leverage and, and, uh, and all of those kinds of things that we, we talk about typically on Leverage Masters. And, uh, but from your unique perspective, um, from how people deal with their, their busyness that comes up, specifically my busyness is when you get what you ask for, which is more business, (laughs) and then you start to see, wait, when I was asking for all that more business, I wasn't thinking too much about the specifics of everything that was going to come with that. So now you, you, the coach, have helped me get 
to the point where I was able to be open and ask for and, and predict uh, if I do this and this and this, I'll get this much more business. We planned all that stuff out. And now here we are on the day that, you know, I've realized, wow, I've got a huge amount to do. And there's a little tiny feeling in the back of my mind, though I did want this, I now feel a bit trapped by it. How do you work somebody through that particular situation where they're like, wait, I didn't know that I was going to have all of this and then there's going to be, you know, I knew there were going to be more deadlines. I knew there were going to be, you know, more particulars in my day. It was going to lengthen my day unless I found ways to leverage and automate and do the things that I know how to do. But we often, just like you didn't move your car up three feet like you knew you should, we often don't, you know, take care of those things before we were – before we got into the problem. And I find myself in that situation now. I go through the same cycles probably everybody generally does, which is, you know, things get on an even keel, everything's cool for a while. Then you say, I want more business, I want to do this, I want to go over here, I, I want to do something new. And if I want to do something new, I have to take that out of some other time so that none of my current clients, I have clients, you might just have customers, you might have e-commerce customers, whatever it is, but you have your daily stuff you have to do, and you can't stop doing that because then that will suffer. You're, you don't want your clients to suffer. You don't want your customers to suffer. So you know that if you want to do this new thing, you're going to have to take it out of some other piece of time. And then you just go through all of You know what I'm talking about. I bet you've talked to people about this a thousand times. Where do you start with that, and what do you advise people to do? Well, what I, how I work with my clients on this Jack is, I work with them first on they want more business. What does more business look like? What does more business feel like? What would be more business for you? So we go through that process. So let's say whatever they're doing, they want 10 more clients. They want 15 more clients. So what we do then, we put together a strategy so that as they're drawing in these clients, they don't all come like that. These clients come in Staggeringly, and I say that so that as they get one client, two clients, three clients, they are able then to move them into the process that we work out for them. So I noticed that you said deadlines and you already have clients and you have to keep doing that stuff. I also work with my clients on getting them to see the importance of delegating, the importance of bringing on a team. And the most important thing that we can do when we are growing our business is to learn to let go. And let, good, let, well, let done be good enough. Everybody's not going to do everything the way we would do it, but it gets done, it's good enough. So when we get to the stage where we're becoming overwhelmed because now we have 30 more clients than we started out with because we started using the strategies, then all through this whole process, we are working on how to outsource. Who are you going to bring on next? Who are you going to bring on next? How are you going to manage this person? Are you going to bring on somebody now to manage these people that you're bringing on so you can do what you do best? And as I work with my clients on that, it's amazing. They start getting lighter and lighter. It's like, I didn't know it could be this good. I thought I had to do it all. We don't have to do it all. <laughs> Even that stuff that you think only you can do, the daily stuff that you think only you can do, somebody else can do it and do it well. Once it's done, well enough is good enough. 
Does that but make what sense? do you say? Well, yes, it makes a huge amount of sense. Here's where I get stuck. I think about these things at what seems to be the absolute worst moment in time to think about them, which is when the only person who can get it done quickly and by deadline and everything else is the person who already knows where the logins are, where all the bodies are buried, so to speak, where all of the materials are. And so there's this thing that needs to get done. It's like, you know what? I could totally teach an assistant how to do this, but not right now. Maybe next time. And I've maybe next time myself into a whole bunch of pain and suffering. You know, how do you get some so, – so in, in that situation, that's where I am right now. So things have grown a little bit, and it's great. It's, the growth is good, but it's just the, the little bit that was the tipping point that made me go from, hey, everything's pretty good. I'd like to have a few more clients to, hey, there's a new client – and that one was all it took for me to go, holy crap, my whole system is in chaos, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm going to have to – my freedom is really important. I have to be able to spend a certain amount of hours a day, and then I'm done, and I don't want to give that up. But then I've got all this, and I didn't plan right, so I don't have an assistant that's trained to do the things that I know I could get them up to speed on because now there's deadlines and everything else, and I'm in motion. How do you talk somebody through that situation? <laughs> I'm chuckling, Jack, because it is amazing how we allow ourselves to get there, and it feels like we're in a cauldron. We're just spinning our wheels and turning and burning. And because of that, we think that the time is no longer available to us to train somebody. And I would suggest to you that the time is available. Your freedom is important. But how much freedom are you going to have if you continue to crash and burn like this? So what you get to do is If I'm using it to worry about, yeah, if I have free time and I'm using it to worry about the exactly. fact that I probably ought to still be working, then it's not really free time. Exactly. So what you get to do is take this time that you're worrying and bring on somebody that you can train. Instead of worrying, you're training them. You're giving them the, the information that is required in order to handle this particular thing to reach the deadline. Now, you can give out a piece of it, and you do a piece of it, so that a deadline is met. And the next time, you, while you're getting, for the, getting ready for your next onslaught of clients, you will be teaching this person how to do that part that you did, so that when you get your next clients, they can do the whole piece for the deadline. So rather, because every time you, you worry... You make it sound so fun. That even sounds fun, almost. <laughs> Because, I mean, like when you – so here's here – I'll tell you what the cycle typically goes. I'll figure everything out. I'll come back down. I'll stop freaking out. And and in that relaxing – and I already know this is going to happen. It's hilarious because a, a lot of people, when they first do something like this, they're surprised by what I'm totally, you know, expecting to happen because it always does. I'll calm down. I will, in that relaxation, find time that I didn't think was there when I was freaking out. Time that I'm willing to spend, it's not that I'm not aware that there's 24 hours in a day or anything, but it's what I'm willing and, and, and not willing to do. And then once I relax and I feel better about my, my now, I'm living again in the now, uh, I find time. It's like, you know, I don't mind an extra couple hours there or whatever to do this, to figure this out, to get it done. 
It's just in that freak-out stage, you're like, there is no time. I don't know what to do. I'm backed up against, you know, you get in that fight-or-flight emotional state. And, uh, and it's funny that you can know that you're in the middle of a cycle. You can know exactly what part of the cycle you're in and still be in it. You just still let yourself be in it. And you catch yourself. And as soon as I catch myself now, I just meditate and I, you know, I calm down. But uh, before I didn't have those, those mechanisms. Jack, you said something that i got to speak on. i got to speak on yes. it. Expecting it to happen. Uh-huh. Because you are expecting it to happen, you get your expectation. What if you were to change the habit of expecting this to happen and doing a pattern interrupt where now you are expecting things to be smooth? You're, you're expecting to have everything go in a, in a way that's going to support you in what you're doing. And notice the difference in the energy around the expectation so that even though you know, okay, I'm doing this pattern interrupt, so with this expectation, I'm going to go ahead and bring on somebody. I'm going to bring on somebody right now that I can start to work with so that this is going to go smoothly. And I know that. Like, I've heard people like you say that before, you know, and it's it's funny. How, what knocks us out of our – when we come to, like, a, a, a core foundational decision, this is the way I believe something should be, like what you just described. I came to that understanding with myself many, many years ago. I understood that, at least on paper. And then I sometimes put it in action, and I was really proud of myself for doing so. But what, so that becomes something that, that's part of your how you walk around the world kind of thing. It's just your foundation. You, you always open the doors the same way. It's just something that's imprinted on you now. How do we get knocked out of that? Because I okay. really think that what you just said is imprinted upon me. I know, at least theoretically, that that is supposed to be the way it is. I've actually got personal experience with that being that way. And yet something happens you get a little bit of overwhelm, a little bit of stress, a little bit of, you know, a little cocktail of, of uh, emotional discord going on around you, some resistance, and it can really truly knock you off your foundation because that's a foundational thing that I know I know. How, do you, how does that happen? The, the shift in the foundation will occur. That's like beliefs because many of our, our foundation, much of it is built on the belief system that we have. And I believe that you and I can both agree that beliefs can be changed. So that could be a belief that is serving as a foundation that does not support you at these particular times. So what I want to give to you right now, I'm going to offer you uh, a pattern interrupt, okay? Because as, I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about the habit that this has become based on the foundation on which you are using. So since this has become the habit, let's look at that habit. So something comes up. What is your cue? You have a cue. You know that you're getting these clients and you're going for it. Right there is your cue. Now the routine when you get the clients in is to get into the overwhelm because you've got to do it all. So what we're going to do here is where the routine starts, you're going to step out and change that routine by bringing in somebody, because now you recognize the importance of it, and you know without doing that, you're going to do the same thing over again. Once you know that, 
the reward on the other side of changing this so you have the pattern interrupt, the reward that you get is not going to be the frustration and the freakout stage. It is going to be the calm, freedom part that you enjoy, the freedom that is so important to you. And now you can go get some more clients, have more freedom, because you have your system. See, this is a system that you put in place. Nice. Systems. It comes back to systems, and that's what I, in, in a material sense, what I started this whole thing out with, isn't it? With And, and you brought up um, outsourcing and, and training people and, and things like that, and, and we've kind of also made it a metaphysical point, an emotional point too, because I don't have systems probably uh, dialed in the way that I should for how I just deal with things when I bring when they come up, when I think about them. So there's like internal systems too. Is that what you're alluding to? You have internal systems. And let me tell you something. You can do a pattern interrupt on them because most of it is habit. And the more you do things, people say practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So if your habit is what you had described in the beginning and your desire is to have something different, then you must be willing to do something different in order to have something different. And doing something different is going to allow you to bring people on, put people in place that you can train and trust, train and trust, and know that when they are doing it, it is well enough done so that when you start on your freedom quest, you're not worried about whether they're doing this right. Is that going to do it? No, 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 no. The tree is not falling down on the right side of your car. <laughs> There's a good measurement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's neat. That, that that might be at least a blog post, if not a book. The tree is not falling on your car. Probably not the best title in the world, but I but I like it right now. Contextually, it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think uh, I, I I think systems are probably the thing that. Uh, you know, Gina and I have been working with uh, Jason Drone, and and he's got um, on a on the technical side, software side, uh, all of these different tools that he sells and teaches people how to use to automate things. Um, one of the things that that always occurs to me, because it's true for me too, and I think it's probably based on the people who have come to me over the years uh, that I've worked with clients and um, students that I've helped in my membership sites. Everybody gets the idea that you need things like funnels. You need an autoresponder sequence. You need to really deeply think about your drip campaign, meaning what emails are you going to send out when, about what, what kind of story overall are you telling, and what individually are you saying in each one of those emails to improve someone's life, to improve the rapport that you both have, the trust, uh, to show them that you know what you're talking about and all that kind of stuff. And what I've watched people do all all of these years is they'll put the cosmetic stuff up, like the page where you opt in to get more information or get a free thing or whatever. They'll get that far. And then when I ask them, because they'll say, well, nobody's converting or doing the thing that I want them to do, then the first problem I usually find is that they never went into all of that back-end stuff. Kind of like what I described to you, it's becoming very apparent that there was back-end stuff that I've – there is back-end stuff that I've got to deal with. Like 
I'm like everybody else. I think we put up the cosmetic parts of it, and very few of us, I mean, it's going to take a super hardcore type A personality probably to, say, to hear someone say, you need to do all this series, you need to segment your list, so when they become interested in something else, you need to present that opportunity to get on a more specific, better path of information that you offer, which means list number two, and then list number three and list number four until all of your contacts are really where they need to be. And most of us don't even take the time to really fully flesh out that first email autoresponder sequence, like to go out 30 messages, to even think that there are 30 messages you could even say. But there are usually it's just that we don't take the time to think about it and go, well, that's not important. I just got to get opt-ins. As soon as I get opt-ins, I'll start working on that. Or these are things I tell myself. I know everybody's got that head chatter. But we're really just talking about systems, right? It's all systems. It's either for you internally or for you, your business, um, your personal life externally. <laughs> it's all about using the leverage of all of the tools we have at our disposal so that we can just have a better life all around from a business or a personal perspective, which is really both for people like us. I agree. I totally agree. And, and you said a whole bunch of words that made a mouthful that made perfect sense because we are taught to get an autoresponder. We are taught to do all this stuff. But who really teaches us, okay, now you got it. What you going to do with it? How are you going mm-hmm. to connect with those people who say who raise their hand, first of all, and click on something that you put out there. So then what's going to be your thank you? What's going to be the next one and the next one and the next one? And how are you going to schedule them to go out? And that is a whole whole lesson in itself, two or three lessons actually. So when we get to work with clients on setting it up, it's important for us to know how that system works. And when I say the system, it, you know, I'm not talking about any particular system. I'm talking about an autoresponder, whoever you use. What are you mm-hmm. going to put in that's going to keep your people engaged, that they're going to be so excited when your, your email comes that they're going to click on it, they're going to share it, they're going to click on the links in it? How do you do that? And it's really not magic. There's a whole science behind it, as you so well know. There's a science behind it. Well, that might be a little bit of magic too. But the most part is to to get it done, and you can always tweak it. Getting it done is better than not having it done and then tweaking as you go. Yeah. Yeah, so many I think... So uh, it's getting it done, and they never move forward because it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Tweak. Yeah. Or they get it done. They're very proud of themselves for getting it done. They know it's not perfect. They know right now they're making a commitment to come back and tweak it, but they never get back to it. And so it doesn't perform the way they you know, pictured it doing. Because when they pictured it, it was the context that I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to watch how people respond. I'm going to watch what they click on. I'm going to watch what engages them and what doesn't, and I'm going to adjust. Except life. <laughs> and, you know, and, oh, it, this is all in the context of not having clients. So you had the luxury of all the time that's available to you and that when you're planning your business, oh, yeah, I'll get back to that. And every time you think, I'll get back to that, you forgot that you're going to have clients then. So getting back to that is not going to be as easy as today. You know? <laughs> so you've got to plan for that. You still need to get it done and then come back to it, but you've got to plan to come back to it. And you've got to 
be dedicated to that. And it's going to be a little bit busier around here when you do come back to it because presumably you will already have customers, clients, people going through that series um, that you're going to have to do fulfillment for, whether you're a coach or a consultant or products or, or a trainer of any kind. You're going to need to uh, account for the fact that you're going to be busier than you are today in the future. You want that to happen. That's what you're asking for. <laughs> you know? That is it's what like, you're asking it's not, for. Somebody's not doing it to you. You're doing it to yourself. You're asking for that. That's what you say you want. And that's this when we learn to focus with clarity and use chunks of time to get things done. If you know that you intend to go and tweet the autoresponder, you write it down and you do a chunk of time. It could be one hour, it could be 45 minutes, whatever you desire to put in there, and you do it. See, that's the thing. You chunk, 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 and don't do anything with the chunk of time. Because somebody calls, and if you work from home, many people know you're working from home, and they call you in the middle of the day. They know you're working, but you answer the phone. You have to learn how to ignore the bell of the phone and the message text. Because if you don't, you will end up talking to people and texting people. You're losing that chunk of time that you had put there in order to work on whatever it is you had desired to work on that day. You go to bed at night and say, what did I do today? Well, I texted this person, I was on Facebook, I was all over social media, and I got nothing done that I had chunked in my time. So we get to be really strict with ourselves on how we utilize time that we have available. Oh, yeah. And I've I've done things where I've tried to touch everything, you know, when I don't have a plan. And it's kind of like what you just described. I try to touch it all. Like I'll go over here and do this thing, and I'll go over here and do that thing, and I'll feel productive. And I'll end up with a day that I can look back on with a long list of things that I did, but nothing really totally got completed. So you feel somewhat productive, but there's a nagging thing in the back of your head that not one thing got actually done. And so tomorrow, uh, you know, I got a bunch of little things accomplished within a bigger thing, but I didn't get everything, I didn't get one single thing done. How important is it to walk away from what you do every day having something done, feeling both productive but also out of all of that, making a, a mature choice to, I, I'm going to have to do some of this tomorrow. If I open it up now, it's also going to be fractured and fragmented, and I'm not going to be able to, uh, you know, feel good at the end of the day. And am I really ever getting any further if I make myself a slave to that sort of system, which is no system at all. <laughs> that is true. That, well, it is a system, but it's a haphazard system that does not support us in where we desire to be in our life. And as long as we are not getting something done, we I have found that when I'm working with my clients, if they are all over the place and they're not getting anything done, they don't feel really good about themselves. And because they don't feel good about themselves, then they do less and less. So we, what we do then is get them back on track to feeling good about themselves because each day they accomplish one thing, just one thing. I don't care what it is. We decide what thing will you accomplish today, and you get it done. And then as you get one thing done, that makes all the difference. I like to talk about when I was in CD last year and Cyclone Wisdom came through, 
and the um, it was a category five, and it was scheduled to come in on land where I was staying. And I we you know I got my house ready, got everything ready, and then a friend of mine whose husband was in New Zealand called her and said, "Oh, wisdom has moved two degrees." I said, "No, I want twenty. But let me tell you something, Jack. That two degrees made all the difference because where Winston came ashore, it devastated everything there. It just destroyed it. Two degrees north, it was not as populated as the area in which I was living. I woke up, and I believe it or not, I went to bed that night. I figured whatever was going to happen was going to happen, so I wake up or not. I woke up, and there was only a few limbs down from my tree. And I said that to say, imagine, just imagine, if we just do one degree every day to get us to where we desire to be. And I'm not even going to ask you for two. Just one thing, one degree difference every day. Can you imagine where you're going to be at the end of the year, at the end of five years? See, that's the thing. We want to do big things, and we forget the little steps to get us to the big thing. So do the one degree, do the little steps that will get us there. And then you can sleep at night because you feel like you've accomplished something. Yeah. How many times have you uh, or people that you've worked with looked back on a day and where you did focus in and you did get something accomplished, but at the beginning of the day you thought, wow, this is going to take so much time, this amount of time, and when I'm done with it, I won't have made as much progress, like you said, the two degrees. I will only be two degrees. But at the end of the day, you look back on that, and because of the focus that you had, and you did get that thing done, and then if you work with clients or use some other way in data uh, or uh, client feedback or whatever it is, they, there's a feedback point there that tells you they're extremely appreciative of what you did. Well, it might not have matched your big picture view of what I'm going to do today. You got something done that was fully impressive to the people who were counting on you doing it, including yourself. But you were, you were doubtful as to whether or not they were thinking the same way you were, and so you needed that feedback. And I think that probably a consistent line of that type of feedback, that uh, effort, and then feedback and effort and feedback would, would probably train a person to know the real true value of the work that you get done on a daily basis, even if in the beginning of it you're like, this is only two degrees. I want this to move 20 degrees. I don't want it to move two degrees. And you get it done, you get the feedback that it seemed like 20 degrees to them, like, wow, good, cool, awesome, all that kind of good feedback, and it kind of retrains you. I've had that happen so many times over the years where I'm, I feel like I'm behind. I feel like I'm not doing the very best that I can possibly do. And then it turns out that I actually was doing exactly what needed to be done and what was expected and everything else. And, and, and so you can look back on a day that you torture yourself the whole day going, this isn't enough, this isn't enough, I'm not doing enough, I'm not getting enough accomplished. You're get, while you're actually getting enough accomplished, and then at the end of the day you look back and go, I tortured myself for nothing, for nothing. And how many times am I going to continue to do this? Because I know it always ends up this way, or most of the times it ends up this way. The times that it doesn't don't matter in the big scheme of things. You know, nothing can absolutely be perfect all the time, every time. Do you hear me talking to myself through this? Because I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about a theoretical person out there in the world. I'm talking about me. 
I understand. I totally understand. I, I, and I want. I was already thinking in those terms, but after Winston came through, and I, and it was ah, okay, two degrees, just two little degrees. That's all. A day. And I feel yep. like I have accomplished something. I can go to bed and go to sleep and sleep well. Get up the next day, do two degrees, and it doesn't. It can be thirty minutes a day. You finish your two degrees. It might take you all day to finish it, but at least you did it. Yeah, you know that uh, you know that video that they show a lot that you see a lot in your uh, uh, social media where it starts out on this girl laying on her back in the middle of a field, and then it just starts going out into the galaxy, into the universe, and to depict how big the 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 universe we live in really is, and how incredibly insignificant we can seem in light of that. Uh, and so they go out to Jupiter and they tell how big that is, how far it is, how long it would take to get there. If you started walking today or even use it light speed, <laughs> it would take a minute to get there and how big it is and you're just like, whoa, 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 perspective, this is awesome, I love it. That two-degree change that you're talking about, if you, they don't even deal with that massive amount of progress in, at NASA because a two-degree change in a trajectory on a satellite that we're sending to uh, take pictures of Mars could end you up in a whole different galaxy I mean, that, that two degrees, based on the distance that you're traveling, could be a massive, massive change. So maybe a calibration or a recalibration of how we think about degrees of success and degrees of accomplishment and productivity and, and what it is we're doing, maybe if we thought a little bit more like NASA, who deals on the whole scale. Like, as far as we can possibly go out in the universe, they're dealing with that scale, as far as we understand how far out we've been able to see so far. They make little minuscule, I mean, imperceptible changes in trajectories and things that they do that make really, really huge differences in what they are doing overall. Maybe that helps. That is true. That's a great observation. I'm, I have some sometimes. Other times <laughs> it just comes out mushy. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So and tell us a little bit more, refresh our, our new audience this week. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But the whole idea is to be in, in concentrated, focused action. Decide what you desire and go for it. That is the one thing that we get to do. And when we get very clear on our decision, we're not willy-nilly. We're not going to do this today and that tomorrow and next week doing something different. No, you get very, very clear. And when it resonates with you at a soul level, you know. You know you know. This is what you should be doing. This is for you to do, only for you to do. And when it resonates like that, start working on it. Don't let anybody tell you anything different because only you know who you be and you get to do what is yours to do. Nice. Well, that's a perfect way to wrap up our second show in a row. As you are one rare bird because there's not many people who get to come back two weeks in a row. So I just want you to know how much we appreciate you and love your insight. And uh, we've come to know since last week after we put up the first show, you have a lot of fans. I know her. She's awesome. I've worked with her. I mean, it was just all over the place. So we didn't know how famous you were already. But uh, awesome. (laughs) And uh, tell everybody where they can get in contact with you uh, to get into your sphere of of wisdom. I have... uh, 
I've been working with people who fear about travel because I, I love to travel. So I have a an offer. It's a group coaching that if you go to <clears throat> Solo Boomer Traveler, soloboomertraveler.com, and check us out there, soloboomertraveler.com. And it's a six-week program where you learn how to travel with confidence courageously anywhere in the world. And a big part of it is about some of the stuff I talked about here and knowing who you be and where you desire to go. So it's soloboomertraveler.com. Awesome. Inez, thank you so much. I mean, two weeks taking your time to to help us out, and uh, and it really has been a big help. We have that benefit of everybody's feedback last week. I know it's going to be the same this week. So thanks so much for taking the time. And this doesn't mean you can never be on the show again. We'd love to have you back. Well, thank you so much, Jack and Gina. I am thrilled to be here, and I'm just excited that you allowed me the opportunity to be back here. And, Jack, I hear hear Inez has even volunteered to co-host with you while I'm on the mend. So, Inez, if I don't feel well, I'm going to take you up on that. Excellent. Thank you, Gina. Oh, man, that's going to be fun. I mean, not necessarily because we'll miss Gina and everything, but if I have to co-host with somebody, I pick Inez. You guys definitely have good synergy. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again, Inez, and we'll be back same time, same place next week, everybody. Have a great week, guys. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.